I think that's the most important thing of arts education is just like it lets you ask the question like who am I and what do I think and more importantly what do I want to say once I've thought. Hello and welcome to Creative at Home Creative Conversations. I'm Lindy Franklin Smith, one of the founders and the artistic director of the Lexington Theater Company. In this new podcast, we'll be talking all about creativity, how to tap into it, how to practice it, and what exactly it means. We're going to be talking to creative artists from all around the country, and we're so excited for you to be a part of Creative Conversations. episode, we're chatting with Lex alum, Colton Ryan. Colton is a native of Lexington, Kentucky, and performed on Broadway in Dear Evan Hansen and Girl from the North Country. Today, we're chatting with Colton about creativity, self-expression, and the power of theater, both in our personal lives and in the lives of our community. Welcome, Colton. Well, hello, Colton Ryan. It is so good to see you on Creative Conversations. So glad to be in a creative conversation at the moment. Yes, yes. Tell us how you are, where you are. I'm good. I am in Oklahoma City right now with my girlfriend's family and their childhood home. Yeah, I was in Lexington for a, for a long time, like three months or so, but... Now I'm just a traveling vagabond. Well, while you're amidst your travels, I'm so glad we could spend some time with you this morning. We have so loved having you with us at the Lex. Of course, the first time I met you was when you came to be in our concert with the stars. Mm -hmm. I believe that was your junior year mm -hmm. of college at Baldwin Wallace. Now, of course, you're a Lexington native. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that maybe fill me in on some of the stuff and I didn't know you yet in your your younger years in Lexington tell us about when you fell in love with storytelling me stumbling into love with musical theater was all all Lexington's fault which I'm very proud of I went to SCAPA and all that you know SCAPA the school for the creative and performing arts and you know tried a smorgasbord of different things before landing on theater in terms of what was accessible there and there was no sports after school curriculars it was like everyone does the musical that was like your social fraternity sorority it was easy to fall into and I remember getting there and being like well, that's interesting I've never liked anything until I've done this um at Scapa we would churn them out so I didn't stop doing musicals I feel like from the sixth grade on and do you remember, was there any specific thing about doing the musicals or about being on stage that you were like, this feels like home? Definitely two things. I mean, the community element of it really, I mean, I used to do like Lexington Children's Theater as a kid. I would go to the summer camps every summer. Actually, until being home this last time, I've never seen any sort of images of me in like a really formative time. I've always seen like a small child or high school. So I finally saw pictures of me at some of those camps where in my memory of it, I am a, a deep introvert. I get really scared in front of like meeting new people and crowds. And, and so I'd always go to these camps and my memory of them is like my, my sister would go as well. She would be like, get off me. Cause I was, I was just hanging on her coattails cause she had like a bunch of friends and I had none. And I'd be like, can I just sit with you guys at lunch? And she'd be like, can you make your own friends? And, and I remember by the time I get to Scapa, like 
you know, those were my classmates as well. So doing those shows was all about just the social aspect. It was the first time I actually had a girlfriend. I mean, like things like that, you know, it was like as, as silly as that is, it was the first time I had actually reached out and felt like I was in a space where I could be myself to make friends. And along with that as well, like I said, I was an introvert. I had deep, deep stage fright. So much so that even when I was a kid, I would go in front of class to read a passage or anytime the teacher would ask me to speak, I would start crying. And I, I realized from seeing those images this past couple weeks, oh, that's right. You were uncomfortable until you found this outlet. I think that is such a beautiful thing to share. And I think that is something that happens for a lot of, of young kids who maybe find themselves a little shyer than others or maybe having a hard time connecting that sometimes the theater can be the place that pulls that out for them and, and helps them work through that. So I love that you're sharing that with us. Thank you so much for that. So you're on stage all the time doing lots of musicals at SCAPA. When do you remember the moment of thinking, okay, I think I might want to take this a step further and, and maybe there's a career in this for me. You know, it's funny. It's very easy. It was the summer after my sophomore year. I had gone to GSA. That was like the big thing at school. And GSA is Governor's School for the Arts here in Kentucky. Correct. Who well, I'm still very passionate about as well and what they provide to students from all over. as sort of an equal access, an equalizer in terms of arts access. I, I was so excited to go. I mean, everyone at SCAPA, that is a huge benchmarker. It was like, once again, it's not just a program of the arts, but it was social it was like, you'll have these friends forever. It was that kind of thing. So there was a lot of hype around it. And I got in my on my first edition around. There was a big pendulum swing from like shy kid with tearing up wells every time he speaks in front of people to freshman year of high school. I was the Pharaoh and Joseph. And all of a sudden, you know, my stuff didn't stink in my mind. All of a sudden, things had changed quite a lot. So I go into this GSA. I remember walking in the door and thinking, oh, this will be fun. It'll be meeting new people. It never occurred to me that it wouldn't go well, that it possibly would be competitive. And it's not because it's a, a wonderfully warm and inclusive place. But we did have auditions, naturally. And I remember we did like the first day just getting to know each other auditions to see what we would do for ensemble numbers, solo numbers. And I remember getting not a single ensemble solo, or what I thought at the time was a terrible solo solo. And I was watching these kids just like grab all this great material and stuff. And, I, and the entire three weeks, I was looking around being like, what is wrong with me? Because all of a sudden, I was just fading to the back against kids who I knew inevitably weren't going to do this anymore. And it was the first time I've ever felt the desire to actually be the best at something. I'd actually felt stimulated enough to be like, met the intersection of what I felt passionate about and what I wanted to strive to be good in. I mean, I remember coming back to school and the first edition back was Into the Woods I mean, every day I was finding new songs to, to bring to it. I mean, I, I would throw out songs like it was nothing. I was like, that's not going to be good enough for the baker. All of a sudden, I was on this weird path to like a music theater obsessing standum. All of a sudden, I was just immersed in it. And I looked up and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to do this. I've never been this jazzed for math before. <laughs> so, so then you wound up at Baldwin Wallace University Fast forward to the part where I met you for the first time and heard about you. Everyone was like, you got to meet Colton Ryan. He's fantastic. I called you up to come and do our concert with the stars. My mom worked with you, 
and the musicals at Lafayette. She was she was part of the reason I was feeling that that way about myself because she cast me as as Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie. Actually, you know what? You know what? I I saw you as Conrad Birdie. Oh, did you? I think I saw you. I came home from New York and I saw you. You were fabulous as Conrad Birdie. You don't have to sugarcoat it. That's okay. I no, <laughs> I remember. I remember. And uh, but I but we hadn't really met and worked together. That's right. Until concert with the stars and. I love telling this story because at Concert with the Stars, we always pair some seasoned Broadway veterans with some college students. That's kind of our mission at the Lex is putting you guys together for some mentorship and performance opportunities. And the college students always get to sing their own selection. And I usually ask every college student to send me about three ideas of what they'd like to sing so Brock Terry and I can balance the evening. And, and I remember I got an email from you and you were like, I am going to send you one idea. (laughs) (laughs) Perpetually a rule breaker. (laughs) And uh, if I from memory serves, it was, uh, I'm not afraid of anything Mm -hmm. from Songs for a New World. And I had my doubts. I was like, ah, okay, Colton, uh, but could you bring your book? Like, could you just bring the rest and just in case? I had a little bit of misgivings about it. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but then I will never forget standing in the choir loft at First United Methodist Church, which is where we were rehearsing and watching you sing I'm Not Afraid of Anything with a completely fleshed out beautiful story behind it and I was moved to tears I was like okay great yep one one thing is all we needed <laughs> that's the one you were right <laughs> yep you were right prove me wrong in my defense I did bring the book <laughs> you did I remember bringing the book and being like all right we have this I think you should hear this first yes you were like just give me just give this a chance Lindy just give this a chance and I I knew that I was like oh what a gifted gifted storyteller you are and such a sensitive performer and you were so brilliant in that concert with the stars two years later we brought you back for concert with the stars this time not as one of the collegiate hopefuls but this time a bona fide Broadway performer because you had made your Broadway debut in Dear Evan Hansen. Oh my goodness. That was, that must've been a whirlwind time for you. Yeah. Coming back, that was one of the best days I had because I had also had just left the show. If I remember correctly, time wise, that was a big decision. Besides going to college is probably the first big adult decision I'd ever made. It's one that actually still haunts me to this day because Dear Evan Hansen is a, a monolith in terms of what, a musical can be it's strange and an exception to the rule because it's the kind of thing that when I go to Lexington Kentucky and I see a neighbor of mine they're like weren't you in that uh that dear boy thing like the you know I've done like things that I'm very proud of since as I am proud of Evan Hansen but you know it still haunts me around where I go Actually, I just opened a Broadway show, and they were like, oh, are you ever going to go back to that Evan Hansen thing? (laughs) Leaving it at that exact moment, I was very scared. One of the things that was a huge emotional catalyst for change in my life was coming home and doing that concert. It was quite the recentering of me of like, well, why did I want to be in something like Evan Hansen anyway? And it always circles back around to like, I always wanted to make my family very proud and extended to that. I've always wanted to make the village that took to raise me very proud. Being asked to come to that opportunity without me having to ask you first was like quite the exhilarating thing for me. I was so excited for it. It was me, Gabrielle Ruiz, Tyler Haynes, 
and Jill Pace. I mean, they were somewhat nervous, but I was in the room like, like, <laughs> like hyperventilating over the whole thing, just being like, I have to get it right, I have to get it right. And I remember walking on that stage, very similar to how lucky I was with my Evan Hansen debut and stuff. I It was just a sea of support. I still chase that kind of feeling. That going out there, all of it went away immediately, just knowing like, there's no one out here once who wishes a single ill will on me. And how lucky is that? I mean... We were so, so proud to welcome you home. That was such a magic moment for for all of us. I'll never forget, uh, your entire performance was breathtaking. We also asked you to lead the full company with You Will Be Found, which was just total goosebump moment for, for all of us. That was so special. I think because it was you and it was kids from SCAPA and it was some of your classmates. It was just such a beautiful mix of community plus some of the college students from other universities, maybe not from Lexington. It was just so cool to get to watch you lead our little concert with the stars version of, of that song. That was so, so thrilling. And then you've just been so busy with projects. Of course, when the theater industry had to shut down um, due to the pandemic. You guys were, you had just opened Girl from the North Country. It was funny because like, honestly, everyone knew, no pun intended, that Corona was like in the air. The opening night party was one of the most fun nights I've ever had, but also the most telling nights where it didn't last as long as other parties. You know what I mean? Like you could feel that people started getting in the mode of there's too many people in this space right now. We were some of the last people on the dance floor, and they kicked us out at, like, maybe one. I mean, for a big Broadway show, it was early. It's all funny looking back now. I mean, I talk about, like, how lucky I am, but also, like, thinking of that show, how lucky we were just to be one of the ones that actually got in right before. I'm not sure how that will help or hurt other institutions as it goes forward, but I know that we have the extra umph of actually arriving and being seen and actually being understood. The reviews were, I think we were all hoping they'd be good, but they were just unimaginable on how thought-provoking and understood we felt by it. And we also finished the cast recording like the next day. It was just like a weird series of events to get it all done just in time. I'll never forget that day. The night before, during the show, murmurs going around being like, it's just too weird. The NBA has been canceled. This is just too weird. Even before hearing from the company, I mean, seeing on the news, the governor saying, no groups larger than 500. And we were going... Well, like doing the math in our head, being, you know, it's a, it's a 1,400-seat house, but we're like, but maybe, you know, everyone was doing the mental hokey-pokey in their head of how to make it all happen. I'm so glad you guys got to open and get that cast album done. It also had to be tough to work that hard. You guys were off-Broadway for a time. You made the transfer in case... Um, some of our listeners may not know much about Girl from the North Country. Do you want to give us just a little insight into what the show's about and the stylistic choices of the show? Oh, yeah, for sure. Girl from the North Country, uh, like Lindy said, we performed off-Broadway actually after a big run they did both at the Old Vic and on the West End a couple years prior. It is a show written by Connor McPherson and conceived by him that uses the Bob Dylan catalog loosely intertwined with a story about 1934 Duluth, Minnesota. Really just the biblical struggle of people getting by during one of the hardest times ever. It's just drifters and vagabonds who are just all stuck in one boarding house. How they get there, what their heart's intentions are, all those things are in question. The only kind of through line that connects with that 
is that every once in a while, every character just stops, pulls out an old-timey microphone, and whether or not you conceive it as connected to the play or outside of the play, we just start singing a Bob Dylan song. It could be a character from that scene. It could be a character from a different... Someone could just walk on and start something. That's the juggle of it. And um, circling back to your other point about what is it like or what's it going to be like, it's funny because we were just discussing this the other day about how we did it at the public in 2018. And it was one of those, like, sure bet shows. It was like we had some great reviews from the public. Not all understood us, but the ones that, you know, are the big, like, push it now kind of reviews were there. We have, like, a handful of of multiple-time Tony nominees in the show. A lot of them, they knew the show was already a hit in London. This was as sure as a bet as they come in a field that is, you know, a gamble as it is. I think everyone figured, let's just, we're going to go straight away. It just wasn't like that because of real estate, a lot of other factors. And so 2019 was sort of like this year to all go to the separate wins and then come back together. And someone was remarking just yesterday about like, it's funny because it's going to be just that again, a year to the day where... We'll have to get back together. We'll rehearse again. It will once again feel like not a day has gone by. I mean, this time it's lucky because we'll open already knowing kind of what our response has been, hopefully will be. I mean, honestly, as I keep thinking about the show, it's getting, unfortunately, more and more timely every day. It's a show about people questioning each other's intentions and hearts. Even during Corona, it is a show deliberately in one house where a bunch of people really don't have the option or mobility to go other places not directly related to virus, but to global heartbreak, tragedy. I figured that already was going to be hard for people to sit through. But also, even in the show, there's a whole plot line about specifically two characters who show up, one of who is black, and both are assumed to have been convicts from the local jail. Two people have broken out of the jail. Don't know who they are, but they're on the lam. You have to choose the truth you want because he tells a different story that feels just as truthful. He says, I am an ex-convict, but I got out last January. I've been living in Chicago under a bridge. I'm just trying to make my way. I'm not trying to cause any trouble. Much like a lot of the show, and much like Dylan, it's never given to you as like an easy answer. It's, it's just another question on top of a question on top of a question. That's kind of the mode of the show. Is this? It's sort of wrapped up in like a, a mythic mystery. Underneath all this like dark cloak, it's this beam of light. It's this beam of hope that we all get to ask the questions. How lucky are we? What is justice, man? You know, what is love? What is desire? I think that's so beautifully said. And I think speaks to why we're all missing our theatrical tradition right now, because it is through the telling of stories and through examining these difficult topics and walking for a minute in someone else's shoes how we gain understanding and empathy and find a way forward and why I know within my heart that live theater is going to make its way back after all of this is said and done. But I mean, how powerful a message and how important that we all find our way back to the theater when it's safe, when it's time. Preach it. What has it been like? You guys opened... I remember from my opening nights the thrill of what that feels like. You're looking at, okay, I've got a beautiful run ahead of me. Reviews are good, and everything's on pause. How are you staying motivated? How are you staying positive? How are you staying creative in this giant pause that we're in right now? All that stressful time of like worrying what the reception of the show is and all that, will we even be here tomorrow kind of situation, we were part of the, the privileged bunch that 
all of a sudden a lot of those fears and stresses kind of dissipated it was like okay i think we're let's hun- i think we're hunkering down i think this is going to be a while at least we knew our staying power was until june until we hear about some awards that kind of thing and so honestly a lot of things in my personal life i had been putting off until exactly that moment i have a tv show that's about to come out and i for the first time had started working in the studio quite a lot because of this tv show recording wise I'd actually kind of assembled a couple people in my world that I was like, I want us to be in the studio a lot more. Like the minute we opened in March, I was like, next week, we're going to be in the studio during the daytime. I had a lot of plans, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I I was getting settled in. I had my Xbox at the theater. I was ready to be like, I know how to, I know how to handle my two show day. I know all, I had all these plans. I think at the beginning, I, I definitely luxuriated in the respite of this. I was sort of like, I went home, which is also quite a privileged thing to do. I had a place to go with my mom's house, which had space enough for us, me and my girlfriend. And yeah, I took the time to just be like, okay, well, maybe this is actually like much needed break. Maybe this is great. And I did a lot of home improvement projects on my mom's house, things that have been kind of put off. And it's actually only hitting now, past couple of weeks, thinking of uh, ahead to the future. That's what, what worries me creatively. And I, I hate the little voice at the back that's like, when I start getting creative about a passage or something, or I read something I like, or I hear a sound I like, and I start to lay it down, I wonder how I, oh, how I can market that, or how can I sell that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess my way of keeping creative so far has just been, like, keeping myself accountable. It's been my birthday recently, a couple of days ago, and, and I've been... Happy birthday. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Um, but I've been, for the past month prior, I've been starting the big project I had at my mom's house to include the home improvement, which I felt was actually weirdly creatively stimulating as well was to ask very nicely if she would let me have a one one this very small sort of like not even like a closet but like an anti-room room that had no air conditioning to make a studio in so I because it was the only room that didn't have any sort of buzz and hum and I started working on that and I've been buying more hardware and software to make that happen and I'm lucky because I I could afford to do that and had the time. And besides that, that's the thing that's been holding me accountable. It's like, okay, you wrote some song yesterday, even the snip of one, just throw down the track. Like, at least you have the hardware now to do so. Keep myself accountable in that way. Yeah, I think that's that's such a great thing. We've talked in other conversations on the podcast about creativity being a practice. And part of that is accountability and waking up every day and creating and just putting pen to paper or putting your voice on a track or singing a song or finding a passage or exactly what you're saying. I'm curious, Colton, uh, we talk a lot about creativity and the word create, creative. What does that mean to you? Creativity to me, if you're ever thinking outside any sort of structure you've been taught to think inside of, that feels creative to me, even if it's as small as like buttering up toast. I mean, I think we're, we're all being asked to to think outside of the things we've been taught. And that feels incredibly creative. And I preach this all the time because I grew up with a, with a creative education as it is. The only necessity asked of the students was to continually strive for creativity. The word of creativity right now has kind of just been like, it's just exploded in my mind in terms of, like I was mentioning before about one, it being corrupted in my mind to think it's only worth actual money value versus actually how desperately we need that sort of creative thinking knocked on our door being like, hey, someone give us an out, outside-the-box answer, please. I'm not even sure there is an answer. Help us out here. In, in both terms of the theater, like you're saying, coming back to it, and obviously 
how to fight this pandemic and fight the other pandemic, racial injustice. Some people are going to have the answer, but it's going to take a lot of creativity. You know, I think I love, I'd love to sort of wrap up by just hitting on two of the beautiful points that you made. One was the impact that theater and storytelling and a creative process had on you as a human being coming out of your shell, finding your friends, being able to, to connect with other people, and also the, the importance of the storytelling for our collective humanity. Those two ideas, the importance of making sure that kids have an outlet and making sure that our communities have an outlet for the storytelling and, and creativity. What kind of takeaways are there for you going forward in terms of the importance of what we do, theater, storytelling, being creative? I love the way you're summarizing that. It is the hill I'll die on, that arts education is is fundamental education. And e even as I've seen it in people's, in their small world, uh, having revelations that like, even as people who I know who are brilliant storytellers, brilliant theater artists, brilliant artists in general, and how they've realized, you know, I love that element of my life, but even that's done for me now. I've always been interested in the advocacy for arts education because it provides all kids the opportunity to just try out a passion. Whether or not you're, you like stories or not, you'll find out really quick. You'll find out, like, if you're on a stage in front of 500 parents and you're, you're singing your first two-line solo, you'll find out real quick if you like being there or if you don't. Either way is quite the brilliant learning opportunity for yourself, but also quite the skill to, to harness or learn as a strength or a weakness of your own. It's shown even in my small universe, like people who went to school for theater, went to school for music, how much within that education they learned about themselves and how much knowing themselves is providing them a very open mind to this sort of huge cultural change. I think that's the most important thing of arts education is just like, it lets you ask the question like, who am I and what do I think? And more importantly, what do I want to say once I've thought? Even the kids I know who have stopped doing this, They've been through this process of living a life in the arts and out of that knowing themselves enough to know, all right, it's time for me to finally speak. It's now time for me to finally say what I want to say, whether it's in this realm or that. But now I have the voice, I think is the biggest gift that arts gives us. Beautifully said. Colton, you are amazing. I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad to, that you have been such an important part of our Lex family. It's been amazing to watch you go from collegiate Broadway hopeful to Broadway star. We didn't even get a chance to talk about West Side Story and you coming back uh, to do uh, Tony for us. So we'll, ha we'll have to have another creative conversation with you another day. But I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for sharing your insights, and for being such an inspiration to so many kids, especially from right here in Central Kentucky, that, that, that you can set your heart to those dreams and work hard and, you know, they just might come true. So we look forward to seeing you back on that Broadway stage, and we look forward to seeing you back on our Lex stage as well. And Me too, let me tell you. <laughs> me too. And in the meantime, take care and stay safe, and we will see you soon. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you for having me. We'd like to thank our sponsors. The Bruce Lunsford Young Artist Program at the Lex. The Murray Foundation, 
CHI St. Joseph Health, Central Bank, and Kentucky Utilities and LG&E. I hope you enjoyed today's creative conversation. To find out more about our additional creative at home programming, please visit our website, lexingtontheatercompany.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to check out our online bilingual music education series, Adventures and Casa, hosted by Lex Creative Media designer Joseph Wrightson in collaboration with another Lex alum, Nicolas Acosta. Adventures in Casa airs every Monday at 3 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channels and can be rewatched anytime on those same platforms. Thanks to our Lex team, especially our creative media designer, Joseph Wrightson, and our producing director, Jeremy Smith. We'll see you next time on Creative Conversations. Thank you.